listening to Downworlder Dish, a Shadowhunter Chronicles podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 85, where we will be discussing chapter 5 in Clockwork Prince, Shades of the Past. I'm Kristen. I'm Robin. And I'm Amanda. <laughs> Dude, I am laugh. feeling full full autumn vibes right now okay I've got my chunky sweater I've got my black cat perched on my chair behind me like I am like 85 degrees out today and Kristen's like gotta wear my sweater because it's fall y'all I I'm wearing bicycle shorts too but like oh the sweater just like you know it's the vibes yeah yeah I love it it's It's like like princess die vibes the bicycle shorts and like baggy shirt so cute well the 90s are coming back you know yeah certainly i'm into it that word is i'm wearing a tie-dye shirt i agree (laughs) dude i just bought a tie-dye dress okay you'll have to send pics yeah oh it's a maxi dress too it's a full hippie dress i love it that's great you need the earrings and everything now no bra required (laughs) <laughs> I could never I could never dude there's no support either it's just it's a no bra dress oh god <laughs> nope that's my life oh. like any excuse not to wear a bra that's so crazy for someone that shares my struggles isn't that un- obviously not how do you not feel unsupported well I mean I don't I can't like not wear a bra when I have to like do anything physical, which also includes like walking for long distances and stuff. Like I can't go to the grocery store without a bra. No, (laughs) like at home or if like I have to go run an errand or something, if it's a short errand or if I get to stay in the car or whatever. Yeah. I'm not wearing a bra. There's no. Okay. But like interesting. But if I have to like go grocery shopping or something, then yeah, because that's too much walking. My boobs will start to hurt. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be like, oh, okay. Like these need to be held up. <laughs> yeah. You just start doing it yourself. Yeah. Hair tie. Remember? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, how was your guys' awesome. weeks? Did you, ha- do you have any more um, driving stories? Because <laughs> apparently last week's theme was driving stories. We all had them. <laughs> you know, I, I had one lady today. She was driving um, less than 25 in a, 40. I think I'm pretty sure it was 40. And um, she had a Washington plate. Obviously, I'm in Oregon. And so she probably didn't really know where she was going. She kind of looked like she was trying to figure out what to do. But like, you're going so slow, like use navigation, pull into a parking lot, figure it out. Like that's really <laughs> she was doing like 23, seriously. And so I was kind of like, doing this sort of like throw Italian talk, throwing my hands up. Like, yeah. what are you doing lady? Like, come on, let's go. I have ice cream in the back. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and so then she does, she pulls off and she's like turning into a mini shopping center and she dead on looks at me. Like she has to know what this bitch looks like, just like <gasps> I did to that other lady. And I was like, see, everybody does it. And I just <laughs> waved. I was like, bye, have fun at, at Trader Joe's. Yep. <laughs> it was natural grocers, whatever it was. I love it. Oh Amanda taught me that. Don't flip people off. You just wave at them or give them thumbs up. Very aggressively thumbs ups, people. Good job. 
<laughs> You're so good at driving. I'm so yeah. Anyway, I'm afraid of people being aggressive. So like getting out of their car with a baseball bat or something, you know, it's right. Funny. I've yeah. seen videos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's great. Uh, I feel you. What about you, Robin? Any cool stories from the week? No, I'm boring. No. It was my daughter's first week back to school. Yeah. How was it for her in actual school? <sighs> it was good. She's super happy. She loves her Spanish teacher and she's like super into it. And like, it was, okay, so she has not been in physical school since uh, spring break of sixth grade year. So Crazy. the last time she was at her school, she was still on the um, uh, the intermediate side. Like she was still on like the middle school side and now she's on the junior high side and she's an eighth grader. So she's the top of the pack junior high. So she missed out on seventh grade in terms of like physically being in school, which yeah. is like, I think she won because <laughs> <laughs> dear God, Fair. seventh grade was rough. <laughs> Eighth was so much better. I agree. Right. <laughs> so she's like super into it. They they do all of their classes um, every day. So they don't do like A, oh. B days like, like we did when we were younger or whatever. And then they have to, they have to carry their computer everywhere with them because they do, they, they, they do class like a college class. Like, they all sit down, open up their laptops, and, you know, start taking notes and doing all so of their cool. stuff online. So, which is why she has horrible handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, from somebody that has bad handwriting, I can't help it, man. You don't have bad handwriting. You have weird handwriting. Yeah. Robin has legible. distinct handwriting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's legible, though. Brandon, like, um, her lines, I don't understand. My daughter is an artist, okay? Like, a full-stop <laughs> artist, okay? She can do some crazy shit. She is a very, she's very good at drawing. So why can she not draw a straight line for the letter B? I don't, <laughs> it's like, it. I'm like, are you, like, were you injured? And I don't know about it. <laughs> like, it's, like, shaky, I'm like, what are you doing? How do you not know? I'm like, you can draw an eyeball, like hyper realism eyeball. Okay. I don't, it's a B. I don't. <laughs> like, it looks like she put the paper on the wall and the texture yeah. is messing with her letters. A hundred percent. That's what it looks like. in her like. brain for it. It's fine. No. Oh, and so, great. listen, I, I don't just sit there and berate my kid, right? The, the entire time we're having this conversation, she is pissing herself laughing. She finds it absolutely <laughs> hilarious that her handwriting is so terrible. She thinks it's the funniest fucking thing she's ever heard in her life. That's so fun. <laughs> and she loves that it annoys me because, like, growing up, I was still in the generation, like, they made us, like, practice lines in cursive for like yep. pages and like we had computers I was the generation we had computers we were aim kids right but we weren't allowed to write our papers on the computer and print it out until high school like uh-huh. before that they wanted it written in ink I'm like ink motherfucker <laughs> like <laughs> why why do I have to be perfect all the time like why why can I not make a mistake I don't understand you use erasable ink that's what I learned 
<laughs> and then it just looks muddy and gross because yep. it never erases. Terrible. That doesn't actually no. work. <sighs> yeah, but anyway, so she's she's doing great. She's loving it. She's feeling very grown up. Adorable. But yes, we are working on her handwriting at home because I am that <laughs> adamant about it. <laughs> My kid one time, she could not get the theirs right. And so I literally would bring her home worksheets. And she it was probably when she was, I think she was like a sophomore in high school. And I was just like, mm-hmm. listen, my child cannot know. Like, you need to know this stuff. This is just yeah. a no from me, dog. Yeah. And so she started doing, and she would get so annoyed with me. And then I remember like a month or two later, she was like, mom, you know, thanks for actually doing that. Because it actually did really help me. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're welcome. Yeah. Everyone it's important know how to spell them. The there, there are certain things that are important, and your handwriting yeah. being legible is one of them. And also <laughs> knowing there, there, and there, and your and your. Yes, your and your. That's a big one too. Uh-huh. <laughs> My daughter's a lefty, so everything that she does looks beautiful. Gotcha. That's great. I bet that I was hard. Yeah, yeah I know uh-huh. for you as a right-handed person. I got really mad at her the first time she used markers because I thought she drew one herself. Yeah. But it was just like her. It's just smeared. It's just rubbing. Yeah. (laughs) Which there are tons of people in my family left handed, but something I never paid attention to. It's hard to teach her how to use a knife. Oh, Oh, yeah. Um, Because tying her shoes and stuff, but her dad's left handed. So he does a lot of those things. I never thought about how difficult it was. It's comical watching her try to use scissors. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, oh, you need to get and the I'm left-handed just handed scissors. Uh, I tried. She needs some for school, um, and I uh-huh. tried to find some, and I couldn't find any. It's like I should order these for you on Amazon, but yeah. they were they were brand specific on the list. But I'm I'm assuming her teacher. We met her. She seems very 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 cool. So I'm sure she wouldn't mind if I brought her left-handed scissors. But yeah, all yeah. I can think of is Ned Flanders <laughs> <laughs> with the can opener. Uh huh. Oh my god. Oh, craziness. Yeah, it's crazy. Kids are growing up. I don't like yep. it. I I saw a picture um come across. It was a like a memory or whatever from Bryn and Adriana's first days. I think it was Bryn's first day of first grade and Adriana's first day of preschool. And we, it was when we lived next door to each other. And there were pictures of us with the girls. And I was just like, oh, why can't they be that age again? Dude, for real. Although, so fast. I got a five-year-old, so I'm good. I got that department covered still. <laughs> yeah. No. All right. <clears throat> what do you guys say? Like, we don't have any uh, reviews. And I did not prepare a fuck Mary kill. So we're going to take a bye week on that. Um, <laughs> now listen, I, I'm going to warn you ahead of time. I am. Um, yeah. So I was super salty this chapter. Um, so there's a lot of things I was, I was being nitpicky. So just fair warning before we, <laughs> before we, we, we jump it into everything, any, anything, everything. Fuck. Uh, that's funny. It's already I, I going the opposite. I was really, um, I think I was a little less detailed than I normally am. So we'll see gotcha. how this goes. <laughs> well, we're already like an hour and a half past our uh, record time. We've just been like bullshitting. So, you know, <laughs> we'll see how Sorry. this goes. 
(laughs) (laughs) All right, let's cut the chit chat and kick things off with Robin's recap. Previously on Downworld or Dish. Our dearest hunters of shadows are sitting around listening to Charlotte's ginger rage as she absolutely tears Aloysius Stark from limb to limb. He refused to offer any useful help and is being about as douchey as his distant relative from the future. Our 19th century golden trio volunteer to go do some counterintelligence at the York Institute. Until the next day arrives, Tessa and Sophie still have to train, so they head up to the attic. Sophie dishing out some Downton Abbey behind-the-scenes goss about how Bridget is a total basket case and not the best roomie. When they arrive at the door to the training room, the plot thickens and the tea gets spilt as Benny's dicks argue about what kind of man their father is. Later, as Tessa tries to sleep, Will drops a book at her door. This is important because the next day on the train, Will asks her if she brought anything to read and she tells him, nope. (laughs) The the trio make their plan, plan for arrival. Tessa will pretend to be Jim's fiance and working towards ascension. This brings up Shadowhunter marriage and parabrotie information, which occupies the rest of the train ride. At the station, they're met by a servant from the York Institute who warns them that Starkweather doesn't take kindly to shy of surprises. So hopefully they will be greeted well. Oh, Beautiful as boy. always. Well, thank you. <laughs> so the Yorkshire riff, riffraff, which is how I picture him. He's 100% riffraff from that's Rocky fair Horde. that is a good mental image right a preach <laughs> so yorkshire riffraff shuffles through the crowd leading our trio uh to a standard clave issued carriage all right will eager to maintain his rakish persona spends <laughs> the ride uh spends the ride to the institute brooding like by himself quietly i'm sure he's staring out the window watching it rain or something playing in uh, like a emo song in his head yeah yep yeah yeah it's definitely like a sarah mclaughlin like situation <laughs> okay i thought like my chemical romance or like death oh, okay, okay. oh i was oh, natalie and Bruglia. Yeah. ah see <laughs> they all work <laughs> yeah <laughs> so now we've talked about the victorians purchant for the macabre and we've like time and time again um, established that there are glaring differences between then and our modern society. However, I feel like this scene constitutes another analysis. Okay. So, so the first thing Jem points out is quote, the graveyard where the victims of a cholera epidemic had been interred. I mean, how fucking romantic am I right? Like, like how would you Robin. react? Like, like Robin would do the same thing. What, say that it's like something yes. i would point out yeah. yeah so i i noted here i'm like i started thinking about it i was like well how would you that's ridiculous how would you react and then i was like wait upon third further investigation i think i would probably be into it i'd be like really Ooh, tell me all about it like it sounds very off-putting at first but then when you think about it that is a very interesting tidbit i would want to know yeah I already mm-hmm. want to know more. Google it. Just kidding. So, Google like, me. even in Victorian times, girls were into murder shit, right? Like, yes. <laughs> it's like the, it's the Victorian equivalent of, like, a murder podcast. That's great. <laughs> so, they're bumping along, scoping out the shops, and they roll up on this massive cathedral. And Tessa's like, oh, shit, is that the Institute? Because it's way bigger than yours. How embarrassing for you. 
Will's like, ha ha, joke's on you. That's just a regular old church. The London Institute is the biggest institute, obviously, because otherwise, how would all the other institutes know that our institute has the biggest dick? Right? Well, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Gem Insert sweep. meme here. Right, exactly. <laughs> so Jem sweep it under the rug car stairs is like, that? Oh yeah, that's Yorkminster. The institute is on a very specific street that I'll mention for no other reason than it's an Easter egg for the reader since Tessa's a New Yorker and not a Yorker. Um, so the street name actually means literally nothing to her. Right. So why would you even say it? Why would you even mention I love it? Why is it? She's not going to be wandering around York by herself. There is no, she has no idea what you're talking about. I guess that kind of goes in. It's payback for her asking what the address is for the New York Institute. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, bitch, this is on Main Street. <laughs> yeah. I know this one. <laughs> so naturally, I tried to figure out where the Institute might be, right? But aside from finding the street that they that she named, like I couldn't find anything matching the description in the book. Like there's no gates. There was no church at the end of the road. It didn't say that it was necessarily on left or right, just that they they were on this road and then they went through these gates, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which to me makes the fact that they named the street more annoying. I'm making sure there isn't a map in this book like last time when we did all this digging. Oh, fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. I don't know if it would be a There's map not. of York, it, though. It's not in yeah. mine, but. No, there isn't. <laughs> Just which, that would be hilarious. Which, which, like, yeah, if there was a map or whatever, that's that's fine. But, like, in the narrative, if, if in, unless there's, like, unless there's a, a church that they're, like, okay, this is, there's a church at this road still and it's. 300 years old or whatever so this is this could be the church that's the institute or whatever like okay I understand but it that's not the case right Mm -hmm. so it and it is a fictional so you could just say oh it's a couple streets up and then just like infer the area right like why would you have to say the street except to make us go google it because we want to know if it's (laughs) and then and then just be let down right (laughs) pay it off (laughs) is all I'm saying there What's is that? a map in mine, but it's of London, not York. <sighs> right. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my gripe for today. You know what really that's grinds great. my gears? <laughs> <laughs> that. <laughs> Regardless, I had to go look up pics of York Min- Minster, the, you know, the big dick cathedral. And holy shit, it's fucking huge. Dude, and it's hard to get a wide shot because they built like a town right in front of it. And it's so okay. big. And they're all brick. They're so beautiful. Yeah, but I, I, I put pictures in here. We'll we'll post them in the Facebook group. We can't post them on, on Instagram, I don't think, because it's just so unless I mean, I guess we could. I don't know. The last time we did that on Instagram, people were like, What the fuck is this? We're like, Yeah, it's just visual aids for the podcast. That's all. We need a picture of the book, Kristen. Yeah, okay, listen, can I tell you why? It's because I've got all the chapters and, like, stuff marked by tabs, and I don't want to take them all off and to take a picture and then put them all back on. This is why I've been putting this off. Do it with your I tabs. take a picture of it next to this bottle of lotion. Is it Jerkins? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, don't I could see if I have a physical copy of the book. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it this weekend. Okay, I'll do it. I'll fucking do it. Leave your tabs in. It's fine. I'm gonna. No, you I know think, I'm not. Yeah. You I know mean, I'm you do not. A pretty picture, but it's still cool. It shows you're reading it. I I could leave them, but you know me. You know I'm not going to. I'm going to take them yeah. all off because it, it won't look right and it'll stress me out. <laughs> That's fair. <sighs> okay. Anywho, they roll up to this normal-ass church. Huge letdown after the big dick gothic architecture energy of the York Min- of York Minster. <laughs> That's really hard. That does not roll off the tongue. Okay, that was a difficult no. sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, so, so they get out, and they're looking up at the Institute. And Tessa has this moment. Well, Tessa and Jem have this moment. That I'm going to read. Okay. She felt suddenly bodiless, as if she were the ghost of Tessa, haunting this odd place so far from the life she had known in New York. She shivered, and not from and not just from the cold. She felt the brush of a hand against her arm, and warm breath stirred her hair. She oh. knew it would she, <laughs> she knew who it was without turning. Shall we go in, my betrothed? Jem said softly into her ear. Well she <laughs> She could feel the laughter in him vibrating through his bones, communicating itself to her. She almost smiled. Let us beard the lion in this den together. What the fuck? What a weird interaction, you guys. What a weird thing to say at the end there. Right? I don't even know what that was. And nobody wants hot breath. Listen. If Jem wasn't so hot, this would be very creepy. And even though he is hot, it's still a little creepy. But, like, the vibe would be very, very different. <laughs> like, do you, how do you think, like, uh, do you think he just said that just for her will? Like, <laughs> no, I think, I think he said it because it's a little ch- tongue in cheek because he's super into Tessa and he's really enjoying the fact that he gets to play this up. And, like, touch her and shit. That's great. I've never heard that saying before, beard the lion in his den. Do you think that means, like, braid his his beard? <laughs> no. I No? I think it means... <laughs> I would assume it means, like, like, like take the beard. Like, like steal yeah. from right under their nose kind of a thing. But okay. I don't that, know. Yeah, I, that would make sense, actually, because they're looking for an item, right? That's yeah. why Tessa's there. So that's a good point. So th- they go in and they're greeted by Starkweather, who is described as, quote, an old man dressed in all. Sh- oh, fuck. Why does she write like this? Fuck. An old man dressed all in Shadowhunter black. His hair and beard were thick and gray, standing out wildly around his head. His gray black eyes half hidden beneath massive eyebrows. His skin <laughs> scoured with the marks of age. So basically, he looks at, like as much of a fixer upper as the rest of the place does. So we better call <laughs> Chip and Joe. <laughs> like, we need some shiplap in here, stat. <laughs> Dude, when. First, I know that it says Shadow Hunter Black, but I am completely picturing him in like washed out black. <laughs> like he didn't have wool light. Like when you wash your black jeans <laughs> like so much, they're like your gray old jeans. 
Oh, that's great. Uh, it's like when you make your own laundry detergent, like the 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 home style recipe, and then yep. if if like if you just if you don't like clarify it every once in a while with some like legit laundry detergent, it gets like build up because <laughs> it's just baking soda. <laughs> Never done that. Yeah, it's good <laughs> like, stuff. What is that stuff? Foul Snappa. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> you have to like fucking grate it. <sighs> yep. Done that. Yep. Oh, that's great. Oh, crafty bitches. Um, so Starkweather comes out of the gates a full boomer, and just points at Will, <laughs> says something racist. And then looks at Jem like he wants to be a dick, but he knows he's dying. And but Starkweather knows that he's dying, and even old white men tend to temper themselves around dying children. So, mm. not to worry, he uses Jem uh, as a springboard to launch into why he hates the Fairchilds before he notices Tessa, and then just stops talking. Like, what is happening? <laughs> Is it shock? Is it chivalry? We'll never know. Because Tessa and Jem are too awkward to function, and Will has to swoop in and save the day, introducing Tessa as Jem's mundane fiancé who's uh, hoping to ascend. And it's so weird for someone else to introduce your fiancé. That is a weird thing, and I never would have thought about it except in this situation because it felt so awkward for Will to have to enter even though it's fake like in this uh-huh. whole situation it feels so weird for will to have to like say those words and like there's a level of painfulness to that that i'm not oh, into God. yep and just like super awkward but like gem and Tess are like what is happening because this guy is supposed to be like crazy scary and then he's just looking at her and we don't know like is he gonna try and kill her because she's a mu- mundane like i don't know <laughs> What is happening here? Anyway, I just thought it was very interesting, a very interesting choice to have Will do it because it felt so fucking wrong and just weird. Well, I think, okay, again, I'm, I say this every single time we record, so mm-hmm. be prepared to do whatever you need to do. It seems like even later in this chapter, like Will's the one that escorts her to dinner and stuff. It's like he's really playing the part of the fiance more than Jem is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's huh. supposed to be like a thing throughout the whole chapter, and it, this is how it starts. Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah. It's it's my almost part of like, the chapter ends with him in her room, so yeah. yeah. Uh huh. It's almost like he's having a reaction to this agreement and mm-hmm. seeing them together that is bothering him to a point where he's going to insert himself, you know, like like a murderer in, inserts themselves into the investigation, right? Like. <laughs> That's what it feels like he's doing. And so, you know, he's taking over. Like, he's obviously the more extroverted one. But Mm -hmm. traditionally, Jem's the one that, like, smooths things over. And he's the polite one that communicates with people. And, you know, like, just apologizes for Will's behavior. And then, like, smooths (laughs) it out, you know? Right. (laughs) Like, I mean, even Starkweather, like, didn't have a whole lot. Like, like he couldn't really say anything bad about Jem other than he's another, like, orphaned shadow hunter kid. Like, that's it. That's all he's got. Right. <clears throat> so everyone's frozen, just braced for old-timer Stark weather to throw a fit over 
to throw a fit over a mundane being in his institute. But he surprises everyone by ordering Schmeagel to take the bags up and remind the cook that they'll all have that they'll have guests for dinner. You know, in case you, the reader, missed all the very subtle clues that this was an impromptu decision that he just made right this second. <laughs> and then he fucking shows them to the, their rooms himself. Like, what, what are you? Who are you and what have you done with the real Slim Shady? What is happening? Yeah. I like, by the way, really quick, mm-hmm. that we are saying Starkweather now instead of his first name because um, it's too hard. Aloysius? Yeah. Aloysius, Al- yeah. uh, I like Starkweather. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, so he's, it's, it's very, this is a very weird scene. It's a very stilted scene. Like, why would he say that? I, I just, like. I don't know. It just feels all very awkward, but it might, that might be just because Starkweather is not used to having visitors and like, doesn't, uh-huh. and it is never nice. And so he doesn't know how to be, be nice or try to be nice. Like he's out of practice. Can you imagine that? There's gotta be, I mean, it's an Institute. There's gotta be people that come here and there. Right. But like, yeah. it doesn't uh-huh. seem like it. And I think even if they do, he's just a crotchety cantankerous old man who's just like an asshole to everybody so I I, I, don't, I think he's out of practice of being like nice to people like he doesn't know mm-hmm. how <laughs> he's like well normally I'd be yelling at you and throwing something at your <laughs> face so I guess I'll show you to your room what <laughs> okay this is weird <laughs> there's something there's something about Tessa either he wants to like get under her crinoline or oh something i don't know <laughs> it's it's i i'm yeah okay I'm, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> so later that night they're down at dinner um but starkweather is a no-show in his own house and the food is fucking awful okay <laughs> Okay, seriously, like, don't you hate, I, this made me think of this. So don't you hate it when you go over to like a new person's house, like a new friend or like a couple friend, that's even worse. Um, and they like hype up whatever they're making for you. Like it's their specialty or they're like, they're like, oh, everyone loves my insert recipe here. Right. But then they make it for you and then you eat their cooking and you can't fucking look at them the same again because you realize that they don't have any fucking, they have some janky ass taste buds. And you're like, I, everything I know about you is a lie. Like (laughs) you think that's good food. That is dry dude. Okay. Listen, I'm going to leave this in because I don't even care. Whatever. They were acquaintances. We were testing. We were trying them out. We, We were auditioning them to be, better friends but it very quickly we were like hmm this isn't gonna work and it's not because of their food but their food is an added bonuses they're terrible people anyways (laughs) it was their personality yeah it was their personality not their food but the food should have been the first sign okay so we were invited over for like a dinner party right with other couples and people so we went Uh over there and it was the thing was the lamb Okay, apparently this person was famous for their lamb. And this was years ago. Okay, 
So we go. We sit down. I take. I see it. Because you can tell if something is dry as fuck. Right? Especially like a roasted meat. All right? Like you can. It, that shit is gray. Like that is not. Yep. That is not how you cook lamb. <laughs> right? So gets the, the little cardboard disc gets drink on my plate. Right? <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, so, you know, I'm polite, I'm eating, whatever, and, like, all the food, it wasn't great, right? The the meat was terrible. It tasted like fucking cardboard. It was so dry and overcooked just, like, and not. cover every bite with something else. It was so bad. It was so bad. And, but the, the kicker is that around the table, oh, my God, it's so good. Ooh, so good. It's so juicy. No, there's not a, it's dry. <laughs> Like I could, I could, I could like use it as a cotton cloth to take off my makeup. It was bad. (laughs) Anyway, all I'm saying is that when someone's a bad cook, it changes the way you think about them. Right. So listen, don't cook for me if you can't actually cook. That's the moral of the story. Can I interject? Sorry. Uh, nope, that's all. I just nobody's cooks for me except Robin did once. That's it. I brought food in for you. That's what I said. You cooked oh. for me. Well, I came to your house once and you cooked for me. Mm-hmm. I just I think about the leftovers I bring in. I used to bring in for Oh, work. yeah. Uh-huh. That I forgot about that, of course. Uh-huh. It's just Robin. Well, and it's always like I don't know. It's always it's always the people that you meet. And then, like, you're, you're not sure. And then you have to go do, like, the weird couple things. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. Oh, dude, I hate going up. I hate My husband's an introvert. To the thousandth power. We okay, don't. but you guys are always at parties. There's, it's family, though. So. Even when it's not family, it's family. Uh-huh. It's never just, like, us meeting a couple to have, like. Right. Because you guys months. do family stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's because okay. Listen. Kids. Anyway, sorry. I have another sidebar, but yeah. it's on task to the story. Oh, good. That's better than mine because I'm just talking. And about I was going to wait to see if you brought it up, but I don't think you did. So okay, I probably didn't. I want you to get your fingers up, okay, uh-huh. to count with me. I'm gonna read this quote from your section. Oh, okay. okay. Ooh, fun. A mundane. The old man repeated and broke off into a fit of coughing. Well, time said yes, I suppose. Get Cedric and Andrew to help you bring our guests' belongings to their rooms. And then do tell Ellen to instruct Cook to set three extra places. That means there are five servants at the York Institute and one crotchety old man. Why are there more servants there? No, that's four. Well, because he's talking to Gottschall. You get them. Get. So Gottschall, Andrew, or Gottschall, Cedric, Andrew, Ellen, and Cook. That's five. Oh, yeah. Why are there more servants at the York Institute than there are Mm. at the London Institute when there's only Mm. one person living there? And it's small. Fair enough. Riddle me this. Fair enough. This. That is a good question. Maybe because there's only one person, so they can do less. Maybe they're so old that they need extra help? Because I imagine the Institute just always has to be ready, right? They can't just, like, not use parts of the building. They have to do, like, what Sophie does. Mm-hmm. And go, like, you know, get all the rooms ready. 
turned down for what yeah. for guests <laughs> potentially that's for what <laughs> so i wonder if i wonder if having that many employees overextends the budget of the institute which is why the food's so shitty right the cook is terrible right well, well and like the wine is like tastes like vinegar and like it's just they don't have enough it seems like they don't have enough money for the good stuff because because right. even he says like oh this tastes like shit right the like wine. and then he keeps drinking it yeah and then he keeps well, drinking i wonder it. sorry so, so i wonder if, if if that plays a factor in this and charlotte is hyper conscious about like her like she would be hyper conscious about her budget because she's trying to prove something right so she wouldn't she would run a really lean household in to make it look better right for the rest of everybody else maybe or you know not i don't know yeah there's obviously more imports and exports in london so they have more like Mm. access Mm -hmm. to that type of food also well yeah and i feel like more people would be at the like it's stupid they should have more people that work at the london institute i think it's silly that there's only three employees anyway i just wanted to point that out because i thought it was cray cray that it is is a really good, good point. point. I like it. <laughs> so Tessa, like through this time, they're trying to like push the food around their plate, right, and just be like, "Oh God!" But it's just <laughs> them at this point, so they're just kind of like they'd start to drop the pretenses, right? So Tessa's in her head, like monologuing. We get her internal do- dialogue. And she describes the inside of the institute and her room, blah, blah, blah. It's old. And there are these, like, Harry Potter lightning bolts carved into everything. Um, But she doesn't remember that specific room from the codex. So, you know, it's a mystery. But not for long. (laughs) Because in the next paragraph, Tessa's looking at a portrait of a little girl. And Will sneaks up behind her for an unprompted uh, info dump. So the (laughs) portrait is of Adele Starkweather, circa 1842. And this was actually on the placard, on the frame. Um, But even in fiction, the mansplain runs strong. And despite Tessa being a voracious reader, as well as, um, you know, standing right in front of it, the man behind her, so so the, the person with the penis behind her, She's standing right in front of it. Had to read it to her. She was not capable. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure she really appreciated that. I think she did. I think she did. Yeah. She, yeah. She, it was very, you know, yeah. So also without prompting, Will goes on to explain that the lightning bolts that Tessa was wondering about but never asked about um, are the Starkweather's family symbol, which is in super poor taste because they're just the caretakers of the Institute, and it's totally tacky to make your house a home. Ew. (laughs) But Will, (laughs) Will, like, goes on, and he's like, well, Institutes aren't castles, okay? They're not meant to be passed down through a family. They belong to the clave as a whole, and it's rude to set up camp in a shared space, which I understand because I have had a roommate before, right? Right. Like, yep. You don't leave your shit in like the living room and stuff. Like, don't. That's not cool. Yeah. Shared spaces need to be agreed upon. 
don't eat my food in the fridge. Definitely not. Cast my leftovers and stuff. Yeah. Don't. <clears throat> so, okay. Enough daydreaming. We're back with the barely recognizable dinner, right? They're like, is this a parsnip? I don't fucking know. Uh, and <laughs> Will's quoting something assuredly pretentious when Aloysius sweeps into the room like, hey, bitches, I'm here. And he greets Will and Jem. And then he just stumbles as he gets to Tessa. Like, she, like, sh- short circuits his brain or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. She has to, like, introduce herself, sort of. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he brings in this box, like a banker's box, basically, with the initials JTS, AES, and AHM listed on the outside. And I just want to say, before I got married, my initials were also AES. So, represent props. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Anyway, I don't ever, I don't ever want to talk about initials. (laughs) Wait, I've always had the worst initials. They're horrible. That's true. CAC. Yeah. It was it was CAG. <laughs> Growing up it was CAG. And then it was CA. And now it's CAC. <laughs> like, really? Really? Couldn't catch a break. Um, my dad beats you, just for the record. What His is name it? name is Alan Stewart Stables. Oh, that is beautiful. <laughs> At least that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, could you imagine getting that monogrammed? <laughs> I would get it on everything. Well, isn't a monogram usually it's like your middle name oh, is the right. number? So it'd be sass. <laughs> yeah. Either way, it's good. Oh, geez. All right. Well, Starkweather has to point out that young miss, I'm pretty sure, right? He's referring to Charlotte, right? Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, will be happy to know that his daddy-o never threw anything away. So, like, he has all these records. I think it's weird that it's in a box also. Like, it shouldn't just be in, like, a file. Okay. Because you know it has to be, like, a wood box, right? Like, there's not a cardboard box. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like almost like a – I'm imagining, like, almost like a crate-type box. Okay. And they probably didn't have a Sharpie. So, they what, did they, like, engrave it with the initials? Maybe. Seems unnecessary. (laughs) They had like paper, like they had glue, so they could have glued like a label on it or something. That's fair. Yeah, good point. But so growing up, my mom, so my mom's second husband owned a car lot, right? (laughs) It was like a small lot. So they, they did things. They played fast and loose. With, with, with uh-huh. the business end of things okay and I remember like because I'd hang out there all the time right because you know when people own their own small business their families live there also yep <laughs> and he'd like I'd, he'd make me like file stuff and stuff they literally a box of receipts that are just loose just like get thrown in like like a garbage can they just get thrown into the box and I remember being like nine and he's like, sort the receipts. <laughs> I was like, fuck. But that's, that's like what this show. feels like. That's what I feel like. He's like, yeah, he didn't throw anything away. He didn't organize anything either. But he right. never got thrown away. <laughs> There's one report in an entire box. Like, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, I imagine you're like the IRS lady. Here's my receipts. Good luck. <laughs> That's great. 
anyway, as Starkweather starts to go over the report, um, he has to go into detail about how he thinks giving a Monday to warlocks is like giving like a child, a human child to wolves to raise. And I'm like, <sighs> okay, sure. Like a person slash wolf. I think they'd be fine too. Like you're just a dick. Yeah, yes, but and Luke's anyway. the best parent in this entire fucking series. So. Yeah. Idiot. That Calm was a down. bad example. I feel like he should have said bears or something that wasn't involved in the story. <laughs> Sharks. Something like that. Anyway. Shark Jen boy like, turned so- out fine. Yeah. <laughs> he turned into a wolf leader in a different movie, though. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, so Jem is like, so anyway, is there like any information in there that might help us find this guy? Like, this is why we're here. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, fine. Okay. So, so he starts going over the details of the report. And that John Shade, which is Mortmain's father, was accused of having the Book of the White in his possession. And it's a spell book that had gone missing from the London Institute back in 1752. Which, I I think it's weird that the Institute would have a spell book. But okay. Like, I don't know. That seems, I, I feel like there's got to be like a library for warlocks if there are spell books out there. So seems like that's where it would belong but anyway um (laughs) now i understand like like i i get that they're at this point in time especially in 1752 because you know even back in 1825 or 1815 when the shades were killed things were different than they are in the the time that they're doing this book but he even said like warlocks shouldn't have a spell book like this it was too powerful so that would be why like the warlocks don't have it and they would like maybe but wouldn't they keep that in idris under lock and key like i feel like that wouldn't just be in an institute yeah right weird why have it just destroy it the point right exactly yeah unless unless they can't destroy it because it might be a magical item in and of itself okay Mm-hmm. Keep it locked you up. You gotta throw it in. Put it in a Pixis. Mordor. Right. Okay. <laughs> I just imagine that it looks like um, that book from Hocus Pocus and it has like an eyeball. Ooh. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god, you guys. It's almost it's almost time for Hocus Pocus. It's almost time. <sighs> so exciting. I had a PSL <laughs> the other day. It was terrible, Ooh. but I had it so jealous i want to try the new cold brew cold foam whatever i can't because maybe they'll still they should probably still have it when i have the baby yeah yeah i would because it will be before thanksgiving so yeah i'll get one okay so this book focuses mostly on binding and unbinding spells and um john shade would have interest in it because he is the one that started creating the automatons back in the day and since necromancy is against the law, the Enclave jumped in and killed them. I don't know how to say it that way. And then um, <laughs> they never found Mortmain, though. He was a child when, when this happened. And um, so his life was spared because they couldn't find him. Like, were they going to kill a child? A Mundy child at that? Like, I thought they said he was 21. When he filed the report. Oh, okay, 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 mm-hmm. okay. So, But I don't know how much later it was, so I don't know what it was later child, it was but it was yeah, 10 years how much later was uh-huh. that okay my bad 
Yeah. Anyway, no. <laughs> dumb, dumb. <laughs> so the Enclave assumed Mortmain was dead, which is weird. Like, just because he was missing doesn't mean he's dead. That's just a weird assumption to make. But they thought he was until the report came out um, of him demanding these reparations. And this report listed an address for Mortmain in Yorkshire. In Yorkshire. Sheer. How do you pronounce that? Yorkshire. 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 Thank you. Shire is like Hobbit. <laughs> well, on, American. And, and it's also, it's changed over the years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, I think it's interesting. I guess he would need, they would need to know where to send his money or whatever it was that he was asking for. But like, he has to leave an address on file. I just think that's funny. I don't know why. <laughs> it's so formal. <laughs> where are they going to send your check? Please exactly. remit payment too. Right. Yeah. They're like the IRS. Yeah. So it's this place called Ravenscar Manor. And I just think it's crazy that like big houses have to have names. <laughs> like that's what you choose. Ravenscar. Okay. But um, Starkweather believes that it's been abandoned for years. And so Jem points out that if it has been abandoned all this time, there's a chance that um, some of Mortmain's belongings might still be there, and um, maybe that can help them. So Starkweather's kind of getting bored, and he's like, sure, maybe, but, like, whatever. Most of Mortmain's parents' items were taken as spoils when they were killed. And so he's like, want to see? Want to see the spoils? Fuck, dude. <laughs> we're going on an epic adventure. This is like your great grandpa being like, you want to see something cool? And then he like goes into a back room and pulls out some Nazi shit from World War II. Yes. And you're like, uh, what is happening? He's like, I stole it off a Nazi that I killed. And you're like, ah, grandpa. <laughs> you know. I feel like that is exactly what this is like. Yes. <laughs> you're like, I don't want to know. No. Happy? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he takes them into this room. Um, in the institute that has all of these spoils and he's really proud of their collection at this institute because it's like a lot bigger than the one at the London Institute. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. So Dude. on the way, Starkweather talks more shit about downworlders. Like he has to make small talk and this is what he chooses. <laughs> <laughs> and that he doesn't believe like the reparation stuff. Um, like he doesn't believe in it because it gives downworlders the feeling that they have the right to get something out of shadow hunters. And Will's like, preach. I, he oh says something God. like, yeah, those bastards or something yeah. like that. <sighs> and I assume either he's not listening or he just understands how absurd it sounds. And he's just like, yeah, you, those, those idiots. Oh, a hundred percent. He's, he's definitely like just rolling oh he's like oh yeah. i can't wait he's to hear what the fuck it. you're gonna say next <laughs> like, <laughs> you are so just, dumb just keep going let's yep. hear it yep <laughs> it's uh, like so your drunk uncle somehow. at thanksgiving yeah <laughs> right just and you're over. like you're like oh really tell me how it's all yeah you're like go tell me more tell me more <laughs> oh my god <laughs> So somehow the conversation goes back to um, the shade story that Mortmain's parents. And um, I don't know, like maybe he pre-read the, the report, Starkweather, or like he read it and then didn't want to give them all the info because he's like, I'll just do it on this little walk we're taking. I don't know. It's weird. 
But he explains that Mortmain was protesting the death of his mother because she he didn't think that she knew anything about what his father was doing. So, <clears throat> excuse me, she was prosecuted basically for what John was doing, but she wasn't aware of any of it. And Starkweather doesn't believe it. And he's like, whatever. Like, what wife doesn't know what her husband is doing? And first of all, I just want to say a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But especially. Second of all. Especially, especially, yeah, back then. Like, it seems like back then men just kind of did what they wanted to. Like, they probably didn't even get asked to put the toilet seat down. There wasn't <laughs> a toilet seat. I know. <laughs> put the chamber pot down. Yeah. yeah, put it at the end of the fucking bed so I don't have to go fish it out underneath the bed. <laughs> I'm tripping over it every night. Oh my god, that's so gross. <laughs> I bet that happened. <laughs> oh my so god. anyway, the shades but- were killed. <clears throat> when the shades were killed, the book of the white was returned to the London Institute. So there's that. It's there. Okay. It's hanging out at the institute. Tessa can go read it if she wants to. I suppose, unless the eyeball is like. Uh, uh uh like like the cat um clock with the eyeballs going I want one so bad <laughs> anyway so while the group is discussing this Tessa does some math and figures out that Starkweather was um 26 at the time of the murders so she kind of puts that all together and she asks if he was there and of course he was and um so he has to add like yeah yeah I was there that was me I was part of it um, but he was surprised that their blood was red and not blue or green or something. And I know it is a terrible thing to say, but I kind of say that I kind of am like, yeah, I guess I guess that kind of makes sense. Like, I, Magnus's eyes are green, right? Like, I don't know. It just, but blood is blood. But like, did you just I say Magnus's eyes are green? My eyes are green. No, like green. Like, they're like, aren't they? <laughs> aren't they like cat eyes? They're like cat eyes. Green? Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah. the pupils like, slit the yeah, other way. Yeah, that's his warlock okay, mark. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just Freaking green-eyed thing. weirdos. <laughs> it definitely, like, it, it certainly says a lot about the way that Starkweather was raised to think about oh. downworlders mm-hmm. and stuff as being alien and not like us and not natural of this world like animals and people mm-hmm. who bleed red are you know so right. it, it's very telling of of who he is it, it perfectly tells you exactly who he is because he's like i didn't uh, i don't that, that well, he wasn't that disturbed by me death it was the blood that surprised him like right right he's just a, he's just a, he reminds me of robin's gonna remember his name the guy from game of thrones that like married his daughter like his daughters or whatever yeah 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 he just reminds me of that guy just who did you say walter frey oh yeah 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 Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, anyway just (gasps) most satisfying (laughs) fucking death Mm. 100 percent. it was delicious (laughs) it was if i will say finger licking good <laughs> river run right no where was it at yeah no no at the um it was at walter Frey's at, at his place with the bridge yeah they had used the bridge yeah mm-hmm. well that guy also plays um filch yes yeah what's a filch on harry potter <laughs> from harry potter oh. 
He okay. also looks exactly like Riff Raff. So they're basically all just the same character. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> I get a little bit of, um, the, what's the doc? The doc from Back to the Future also with this guy. Just mm. <clears throat> his physical looks. But his attitude is definitely the dude from Game of Thrones. He's gross. Yeah. I don't like it. Gross. Yeah. So they finally get to this spoils room. And um, this shit is something out of Valentine's playbook for real. Like, okay, maybe vice versa, <laughs> but still right. you get my gist. Um, so there's like vampire teeth and fairy wings and silver bullets that are filling a bowl that is blood, like covered in blood, dried blood, of course, that Starkweather explains the bullets had been pulled out of werewolves and melted down to be remade into bullets. And they just have to be on display. That's a spoil. Like, mm-hmm. anyway, it was awful. And Tessa feels dizzy and hot, of course, seeing all of this stuff. It's got to be just insane. And similar to me in a store wearing a mask and holding my two-year-old because I didn't realize they don't have carts. <laughs> you're like, you're like I was not prepared to walk this. <laughs> no. I Schlepping went to Marshalls and Home Goods today. And we human. go into Home Goods. I'm like, I should have brought the stroller. So I'm trying to get him to walk, but he doesn't want to hold my hand. So I have to carry him. And it's hot and it's packed because it's Saturday morning at Home Goods. And I'm just like, we're we're done. I don't and need you're pregnant. Here. This, yeah, yeah, exactly. Seven months pregnant carrying a two year old. I'm over it. Yeah. Anyway. So she felt dizzy like that. Hot and dizzy. <laughs> And uh, eventually, Jem mentions, like, Tessa's delicate. So, like, this isn't going well. So some maid servants. So there's more people, it sounds like, potentially. Maybe it's one of those people that you listed off. But there's more than one that's coming Uh to help Tessa. And they go and take her to her room so that she can rest. So then time passes, of course, and, like, Tessa's in her room. And she's trying to sleep. But she keeps having nightmares about the Dark Sisters taking parts like the parts in the spoils room away like Mm. her eyes and stuff and Mortman and Nate are there too and the worst part of this nightmare though by far in my opinion is that Henry was the one taking the parts from her Mm. and she basically saw him like sort of dissecting her heart like showing like look this is why it's so weird and her heart's just right there it's can you imagine like one of your basically he's her friend sort of you know like this just gotta be so just off-putting when you wake up from one of those nightmares and you know oh. your husband cheated on you yeah yep murder Add those <laughs> so will must have heard her talking in her sleep or something maybe she was screaming i've done that in a nightmare i don't know but she wakes up to him shaking her and he's like bitch chill <laughs> you're having a nightmare <laughs> and then she just fills him in on how horrible it was so there's that so Tessa wakes up and she's like, I can't believe that it was a dream. It seems so real. <laughs> then reality really smacks her because she's like, wait, that detached voice can only belong to my heavenly heartthrob, William Herondale. And I feel like at this point, Tessa's <laughs> inner monologue slips into a Southern Belle accent. Yes. And I cannot do it. But I'm going to try. Do it. And so she's like, my, 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 what a sight he is. Rushing into my aid in the middle of the night. Rubbing my back with his disheveled dinner clothes. Lord have mercy. (laughs) That was great. I love it. You're fanning yourself. It's perfect. Yeah. 
So Will asks her to recount her dream. And halfway through, like, she's explaining it. He fucking cuts her off, which is rude. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. And he takes this moment to push her what is, like, described as tangled, which I fucking doubt it, hair yeah. behind her ears and curses Starkweather for showing her that room. And he assures her that it's not like that anymore. The accords forbid the collection of spoils. And it, it's cool. It was just a dream. Like Biggie said. <laughs> it was all just a out. dream. It was all a dream. Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. And our young love-struck heroine is like, not nah, bitch. This is a dream. You in my bedroom. Ooh. Awkward. I know I was literally so disturbed in my sleep, but I was calling out and you had to force me to wake up. But the past is the past and the present is me sitting here, staring into your eyes and wondering what you've been up to in the middle of the night. Actually, the suspense is killing me. I'm just going to ask. <laughs> and Will's reply is that he was out kicking the traces as usual. And I can't help but think about how when your dog comes in from outside and they have that earthy smell, like mm-hmm. that's the only way I can picture Will smelling right now. Outside dog. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, you smell like outside. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about this prior, so we won't get into it again. You smell like outside. It's gross. So gross. We'll ask, yeah. Like an outside dog. Well, remember we were like, talking about what we think ozone smells like is what it was before. Oh, <laughs> but I like, I like the smell of outside. It's weird when you've been home. Like, obviously, we do it a lot more now. But I used to think, like, when you're when you've been sick and you've been home for a few days, and then yes, yeah, someone comes in from outside, and you're like, "You smell like outside. Mm-hmm. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> outside. This is well, it's not like fresh cut grass or, um, mm-hmm. you know, the hemp farm that's two miles down, or the cauliflower that they're growing out here in the country." live in a great space okay anyway will asks tessa if she will be able to go back to sleep because they're going to inspect ravenscar manor in the morning that is of course if she wants to go like you can stay home and tessa tells him that she couldn't stand the thought of being left in this gloomy institute and she is for sure going yeah so Will decides to go back to her nightmare, even though he freaking interrupted her. But I think he just doesn't want to leave. So he's making up excuses to keep talking. Mm-hmm. And he comments how it must have been really horrible to get her all like down and out. Because usually like in this short amount of time that they know each other, he knows her really well. And there isn't much that will scare her. So this is really off-putting to him mm-hmm. as a person that's invested in her life. Right. So Tessa agrees, saying it was awful. Even Henry was in it, taking apart her heart to see it was made of clockwork, like Miranda. And Will takes the opportunity to layer sentiment with jokes and says (laughs) that if Henry was doing it, then it absolutely settles it. He would only ever be a danger to himself. Definitely a dream. (laughs) But then he sneaks the sentiment in and he tells her that he would never let anyone touch her hair on her head. You know that, don't you? Oh, gross gross listen i understand that will is a fictional character who is also basically a superhero within the context of reason right he's a shadow hunter he's got Mm -hmm. powers and shit with the runes and he's super skilled he's got wicked bow skills and all that jazz right (laughs) yep but come on 
you you're not gonna like you can't this is such an empty thing and people do it all the time Uh when they're not superheroes they say shit like this and you're like bro like i promise you nothing bad's gonna happen we both know that this is bullshit so why are you giving me lip service here you're wasting Uh your breath and i don't want to (laughs) listen i told you i was salty today man that's good (laughs) so their eyes lock and the tractor beam of hormones brought the two closer together he leaned in cupped her face and went to kiss her mouth but she turned at the last second yes his harsh words from the rooftop echoing in her mind as they should be Mm -hmm. and will drew back and i have to read this quick exchange because it is everything in this chapter do it so the dialogue starts with tessa no no i don't know that will she dropped her voice You've made it very clear, she said. What kind of use you have for me? You think I'm a toy for your amusement. You should not have come in here. It's not proper. He dropped his hand. You called out, not for you. (laughs) How does it taste, William? Your just desserts? Are they delicious? So deserved that. I'm so proud of her. I know. It's like like when you take a bite of tiramisu and then you inhale at the wrong time. Uh, part and then you just inhale like cinnamon and cocoa powder and you're like (laughs) (laughs) that that's the just desserts that it it tastes like (laughs) so good so tessa sparked her inner boss bitch and so her thoughts that she'd been keeping at bay spill out And she asked if he regrets the words that he said to her on the rooftop and if he could look her in the eye and tell her that he didn't mean them. Mm. So Will looks down at his feet and like, I think it's like between his hair says, no, um, the angel forgive me. I can't say that. Mm. Tessa deflates and she's like, all right, listen, get the fuck out. (laughs) Bye. I dub thee Felicia. You need to leave. (laughs) Absolutely. So after a long silence, Will gets up and walks out the door. And as soon as he closes the door, Tessa lays back on the bed and stares at the ceiling, trying to push all of her questions about what just happened out of her mind. And she's doing that thing where her voice of reason knows that he's just a puke. But Mm -hmm. there's also this tiny other voice that's telling her his actions and his words aren't in alignment. And she should probably spend the next two weeks overanalyzing every breath that he makes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sounds good to me. Logical conclusion. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm saying. So in the morning, Tessa wakes up with a headache in an equally exhausted body. And she had dark circles under her eyes because she spent the night tossing and turning, thinking about Will and her nightmare. And so she decides that she's going to dress herself because she doesn't want any of those creepy maidservants all up in a business. (laughs) So by the time she gets to the dining room, Will and Jim are already seated. And Will's cutting up his burnt toast and making rude pictographs out of them. <laughs> okay, and hold she on. Was like, <laughs> hold on, Tara. I have to tell you this story. I was at a work conference once in San Diego, and we were out to dinner with a bunch of like it was like a manager conference. So there was like regional managers and like important people that are like VPs and like important people in the company, right? Assistant to the regional manager. Yeah. Yeah. So we're out to dinner, whatever. And I'm sitting right in between 
to what? <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? I just made a joke funny. from the office. That's all. Oh. Assistant to the regional manager is nothing. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> assistant regional assistant to the regional manager. Gotcha. False. I have never watched that show. Sorry. I know. Oh, my God. We've been through this. The camera angles give her vertigo. Yeah. It's crazy. So I'm, I'm sat between my two male colleagues who work in the same office as me as managers, right? I get up to go to the bathroom. I come back. These 45-year-old men who are grown with families, they have arranged my dinner rolls at, and butter on the plate with my wrapped up silverware to look like a penis with jizz coming out on my plate. <laughs> I love them. I was like, I can't, I was like, what are you? Wow. <laughs> Mind you, I was the 23 year old. Okay. I was the young one. These guys were the old dogs. Oh, that's so great. Like, can you please be a little more professional? <laughs> Absolutely not. Our regional manager is literally sitting across from me. This is ridiculously <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> like, you built it yourself. <laughs> You're just afraid he's going to see it. As if yeah. you were just killing Kristen, the time. what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Had to... Had to share. No, that was good. Thank you. <laughs> so, Will's making cock and balls, apparently. Yes. And um, Jim is, like, curiously asking, like, what they're supposed to be. <laughs> and he's, like, almost looked like a... But he broke off as Tessa walked in. And I just have to say, I love this kind of third person sneak peek into their friendship. Because mm-hmm. it's not... Cl- like clouded by Tessa's overreaction of looking at Will. And then it's also not clouded by Will's monologue about him worrying about Jim's health. So it's just right. the two of them interacting as friends. And I really mm-hmm. like it. So Tessa sits across from Will, not next to Jim or anything across from Will, as I'm saying, and he glances at her, but there wasn't like anything that would indicate that something passed between them the night prior. So Jim asked Tessa how she's doing after last night, like, because she fainted and all. He didn't know about the whole nightmare thing, but just her fainting in the room. But he gets caught off again. But this time it's stark weather entering. And um, he tells them that he has a carriage waiting out front, but they had better get a move on if they're going to make it back in time for dinner. Not that they're invited. He just needs to use the carriage later. (laughs) He told uh, Gottschall to riffraff. (laughs) <laughs> to take them straight back to the train station because um, there's no need to linger. This is oh, not damn. the cranberries. Get out of here. <laughs> so Jim thanked him. He elevator eyes Tessa one more time and then leaves the room. So Will tells Tessa to hurry up and eat, shake a leg before he changes his mind uh, about the carriage. Because if th- it takes too long, then he knows it's not going to be back and he's not going to use it. So Tessa's like, I'm not hungry. But Will, oh so sweetly, in her eyes, made her a cup of tea. So she's like, well, he doesn't do nice things like that for, like, people. So I, like, better drink it, even though he's, like, a total douche canoe. But, oh my, you know. 
God, how sweet. It's almost like I rejected him and now he's trying to be nice in order to get back into my good graces. Oh, my God. Oh, poor girl. She's so young. I know. (laughs) I know. It's hard. It's hard looking through like through the lens of a grown ass woman Mm -hmm. because like, yeah, we are way harder on Tessa than she probably deserves to be because she is, like, 16. But. Right. It's fair. We're crotchety old ladies. It's fine. Yeah. We are, well, we're jaded. We're doing our job. Yeah. Yeah. We're watching for sure. out for her. Right. We're, we're, we're making sure that the, everyone listening who is of the younger generation are, are hearing this through a sensible... Right. Fuck this guy. <laughs> Thought pattern. Right. I'm going to make sure that they're getting, you know, good feedback. Yeah. So after breakfast, the boys go get the luggage. Um, and they make their way to the carriage. And the ride, of course, is awkward. And Tessa's doing everything in her power not to accidentally sway into Will when they go over these bumps. And as a fat person, I totally feel this way on airplane rides. Yep. <laughs> A hundred percent. And I'm always in the middle or something. And then I really need to suck in my arms and stuff because I don't want to touch the other people on either side of me. I am. My body type is not made for airline seats. I'm too wide. I always want the aisle. I like when I'm traveling with people I know because then we just lift up the arms. Okay. I am a window sitter always. Mm-hmm. Nope, I like the aisle because if I have to pee, I need to be able to get up. I don't want to have to ask a sleeping old 80-year-old woman to get up. I got you. <laughs> oh, my so, God. Worst nightmare ever. The carriage rolls out of the city view. Okay, wait. Oh, I said that wrong. As the carriage rolled out of the city, the view turned to harsh countryside. And who knows how long later, like, the stone chimney broke up the landscape. And Jim had the coachman stop. And Tessa's like, uh, we are definitely not there yet. <laughs> what are you doing, kiddo? <laughs> and Will answers, telling her that they can't just roll up to the front door. Be sensible, Tess. Okay, Quote. I don't like this. He he has now called her Tess like three times. And I don't yeah. like it. It feels too intimate. Uh-huh. It's an overly familiar gesture that... We need to like slow our roll. Because he's yeah. only well, started calling her that after he called her basically a whore and said that like she's good to have around for a quick lay, but like that's it. <laughs> I just don't understand. So if his mindset is like, I'm cursed, so it must be something to do with love, right? Mm-hmm. Has to be. So he can't right. love Tessa. She can't love him back. So he's supposed to, he's trying to teary in her as we've talked about and push her away. So why are you like, is he being this familiar? Cause he knows it will annoy her. So he's no. thinking that maybe him being annoying will push it away. My theory is that it, this is completely against what Will is trying to do. I think mm-hmm. he cannot help himself because he feels threatened by Jem. He doesn't want to. It might be subconscious, but I don't think he can help himself saying things like that and like trying to build that intimacy with Tessa because he doesn't want anyone else to have it. But he he doesn't think that he's allowed to have it. So like his intention is to still be his regular old will self, but like literally cannot fucking help himself. He's like, but you like me too, remember? 
<laughs> right. Because someone else I is think playing with, with his you. toy. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, the trio get out of the carriage. I don't know why I have to start every sentence with so. Me too. Same. Or okay. Right. Sorry, guys. The trio get out of the carriage, and Will said that they needed they needed to use Henry's device to make sure there wasn't a demonic presence, because they don't want to walk into a trap. So Tessa asked, again, so, <laughs> Tessa asked if Henry's device actually works, and then gathers her skirts to keep them out of the mud. As they started toward the manor house, Tessa again noticed the scenery, and she's saying that it's gray and green hills start rising, like, I um, typoed gray and green hills rising starkly. And then there's flat grass where sheep have been tended, small crops of trees. And the thought of someone actually living there made Tessa shudder. And Jim's like hit city lass. (laughs) (laughs) Which I feel like is the equivalent of today being like, are you a Carhartt kid? If you're not a Carhartt kid, you're not cool. Okay, but also, fucking Jem, aren't you, like, weren't you born and raised in, was it Beijing? Shanghai. Shanghai. Right? Which is a fucking city. Right. 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 And you live in London. Like, what are you talking about, city lass? What if you lived in the fucking country? That line Well, he says lass, which is not something in his vocabulary. No. Right. I feel like that was supposed to be Will's line. Huh? I think that was supposed to be Will's line. Just got mixed up. It would make sense. It, it would make more sense coming out of Will's mouth. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Tessa laughs and admits that she was thinking about how odd it would be living in a place like this so far away from people. You caught me. That's Amazing. what I was thinking about. You're reading my mind again. And if Will says that. You um, mean amazing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, damn it. So, (laughs) Will says that this was very similar to where he grew up. up. It's not as lonely as you might think. Out in the country, people visit all the time. And since the journey is typically longer, they have an extended stay. Sometimes for weeks at a time. And all Tessa could do was just stare at Will. (laughs) Did you say pass? Yeah, pass. That's too long. (laughs) I love it. It's out of character for him to talk about his past, as we know. I mean, she's known him for what? A couple weeks? Totally (laughs) unlike anything he ever does. This is shocking. (laughs) However, Jim seems like he's kind of doing the same thing as Tessa, but he's able to recover quickly and says that he agrees with Tessa. He's only ever lived in the city, and it's comforting to know that you're surrounded by a thousand other sleeping souls. Will is like, yeah, Mm -mm. that and the filth that's everywhere. He says, quote, when I first arrived in London, I so quickly tired of being surrounded by so many people that it was only with great difficulty that I refrained from seizing the next unfortunate who crossed my path and committed violent acts upon their person, which is how I feel. When my kids start fighting with each other and I'm in a mood, dude, go. That's how I feel when I have to walk downtown. Oh, God. Go to the mall. I'm like, fucking, I 
I dare the next one of you motherfuckers to tell me to smile. I fucking dare you. See what happens, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> You're so weird. Tessa says that some might say that Will still has the same problem. Hardy har har. <laughs> Jim whistled a damn get a load of that whistle. And <laughs> Tessa says, um, no. Tessa explains in her monologue. She doesn't say it. I don't even know why I had to put Tessa says. I did. I was writing this and I got interrupted every three minutes because my kids wanted something. So it's just how it goes. So the manor. So again, fuck. Okay. The manor house was built into the center of a deep declivity between three hills. The house was very grand and made out of stone with a circular driveway. It looked pristine and there was no way that it had sat abandoned. Jim says that someone is definitely living there, but maybe if they cut off for the third time, (laughs) mid-sentence, as a carriage comes rolling toward the manor, Jim's cut off, so he stops talking. They all duck into the grass and watch as a young girl stepped out of the doors. Tessa guessed that she was about 14 or 15 since she was wearing her hair down, which apparently is a thing, Mm -hmm. and it blew around her like black silk. She had a plain blue fashionable dress on. And she nodded to the driver and looked right where they were hidden. Unnerving. (laughs) So Tessa's about to ask Jim if he had brought like a telescope when Will made this really sick, terrible noise and a gasp like all the air was sucked out of him. And Tessa realized that he wasn't actually making a noise. He was saying something, a name, one that she'd heard him say before. Cecily. I don't know how else a gasp would sound. Dude, like who that. the fuck is Cecily? Cecily. <laughs> it's a girl. Oh, this is exciting. Ah, shit. What are the odds? Oh, it is weird. Mm-hmm. Something to do with Mortmain has to do with something Will, someone Will knows. Yep. Hopefully she'll be able to give him some information. If he decides to go up. That's fair. What if he's a little p- p- skirt? <laughs> yeah, that's better. We'll have to see what happens next week. Yeah, so uh. make sure that you read chapter six in silence sealed for next week's episode. For behind the scenes content and the latest updates, check us out on Instagram at Downworld or Dish Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.